Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Star Wars, colon, episode 8, colon, The Last Jedi, in today's statistics episode. We read the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. It took me quite some time to finalize my score and rating for this movie i bounced around between a couple of numbers and the biggest issue that was throwing me off this whole this whole time was where i wanted to place it within my own star wars filmography now I, i had known from the onset that it was that i had felt it was better than the force awakens but i i wasn't sure where it took me some time to figure out where it fell amidst the original trilogy. I think it's better than Return of the Jedi, but I, I'm not entirely sure uh, where it would stand amidst A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back before I see those again. So, the other aspect is that I know I'm going to adjust the original trilogy ratings a little bit once I rewatch them. And what that ultimately landed me on was an 88. Uh, it, I, I had toyed with something in the low 90s, but that was just a little too high, uh, not just because of uh, Star Wars movies, but also looking at the other movies that came out this year and my relation and like the relationship I have with them. And so that's where we ended up with. So Star Wars, episode eight, The Last Jedi, December 17th is the first time I've seen it, uh, and as of this recording, the only time I've seen it. It is a 2017 film that I clocked at 144 minutes. That's two hours and 24 minutes. My summary is, Ray trains with Luke while the Resistance fleet evades Snoke. It's a little reductive, but that's what a summary is supposed to do. It has an 88 out of 100 from me and is currently sitting at a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes as of the last time I checked. Uh, It also qualifies as part of the sequel trilogy, along with The Force Awakens, uh, which, as I mentioned, it is higher than The Force Awakens, and qualifies as part of the Star Wars franchise, film franchise. So it is uh, is the 10th film for Star from the Star Wars film franchise, if you include the Clone Wars film, which I do because it was theatrically released. And as of the ratings right now, it ranks fourth behind all three of the original trilogy. This will change, and it will be at least third. Uh, potentially higher, but at least third uh, once, once all is said and done. I do have to... I will definitely be adjusting Return of the Jedi down. I'm not sure how much, though. But for the time being, it is currently ranked fourth. So that is where it stands in that that realm. Moving on to the director, uh, Ryan Johnson. This is the third film that I have seen directed by Ryan Johnson. Uh, And it uh, lowers his average film rating to a 91 even. He is uh, is the second film of his rated in the 80s and his second best film overall, coming in behind Looper and ahead of Brick. It improves his film value to a 5, his score to a 59.60, 
and he is now ranked 105th overall as a director. As a writer, uh, Ryan Johnson is also the only person credited on this film. Uh, it is his third film and lowers his average film rating to a 91. It is his second film, rated in the 80s, and his second best film overall, coming in behind Looper and ahead of Brick. It improves his film value to a 5 and his score to a 59.60. I feel like we've heard this before. Uh, it improves his overall rank to 101st, tied with Tony Gilroy and Ruth Prower Javala. All tied at 101st. So slightly higher, uh, but the exact same score as he has as a director. But where this gets really interesting is actors. So, forewarning, uh, the movie's been out for just about a week now, and as of recording this, and when the episode will be live, it'll have been out for almost two weeks. Uh, so my intention was to put out the spoiler-free review, uh, because I do know that there are people who, who just, for whatever the reason, kids, work, uh, vacations, etc., don't get a chance to get to the movies in the first two weeks, three weeks, whatever, so just in case. But uh, the statistics episode, all spoilers are fine, and I don't think a lot of the casting issues are particularly spoiler-laden. Uh, there are a couple that I didn't even notice when I watched the movie, so and they're not going to change, I think, your impact of the movie if you know that they're there. So, uh, it, it's not, in my opinion, it's not that big of a deal. If it is that big of a deal, uh, then I, I don't know what to tell you. So, actors. First up is Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis, is, this is his 19th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 77.37, which uh, I will talk about in a second rather than give it away. Uh, it is his sixth film rated in the 80s. And it is his sixth best film overall, coming in behind The Prestige and ahead of Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. It improves his film value to a 22.5 and his score to a 92.50. Uh, he is now ranked seventh overall, seventh. And as I mentioned, his 77.37 film average rating is the highest out of anybody in the top 10, uh, which is pretty outstanding. Next up is Donal Gleason. This is his 25th film credit, uh, which increases his average film rating to a 72.2. Uh, it is his eighth film rated in the 80s and his fourth best film overall coming in behind Ex Machina and ahead of Brooklyn. It improves his film value to a 22.5 and his score to an 89.35, uh, which ranks him 13th overall. Very, very high. Uh, puts him right behind Jack Nicholson and ahead of John Ratzenberger. Uh, and then going back to Andy Serkis, he was, he's one spot behind Ralph Rafe Fiennes and one spot ahead of James Stewart. Next, we have Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You may not have realized he was in this movie, but he is. He lends his voice to a character called Slow and Low, who in the Finn Rose subplot 
is the character that complains about where they've parked their ship, uh, if that helps. This is his 34th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 66.12. It is his ninth film rated in the 80s and fifth best film overall. The Last Jedi comes in behind Inception and ahead of Lincoln. Uh, it is Im- improves his film value to a 22, his score to an 84.44, and he is now ranked 20th overall. A lot of high-ranked players in this movie. Uh, he is now ranked... He is now one spot behind Tom Hardy and one spot ahead of Paul Newman. Next is Adam Driver. This is his 15th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 74.27. It is his fifth film rated in the 80s and third best film overall, coming in just behind Patterson and just ahead of Lincoln. The Last Jedi improves his film value to a 15.5 and his score to 81.03. He is now ranked 38th overall, one spot behind Ward Bond and one spot ahead of Frank McClure, who are both uh, character minor actors uh, from times long ago. Next is Warwick Davis who you probably also didn't see. Uh, He was, I believe, in the casino scene, but plays uh, just a a small, I don't know, he's diminutive in size uh, and and represents a very small alien on the screen. Uh, This is his 18th film credit. Uh, It improves his average film rating to a 69.61. It is his 8th film rating in the 80s and 2nd best film overall coming in behind Return of the Jedi for the moment and ahead of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. It improves his film value to a 13.5 and his score to a 76.15. He is now ranked 80th overall, tied with Viggo Mortensen, uh, right behind James Milliken and right ahead of Timothy Spall. Next up is Peter Mayhew. Uh, typically the person who has played Chewbacca. And uh, I, I believe I read that this is the last film that he will be playing Chewbacca in, and they have someone new to play Chewbacca in the Han Solo origin film. Uh, this is his sixth film, and Im- improves his average film rating to an 87 flat. It is his second film rating in the 80s, and fourth best film overall, coming in behind Return of the Jedi, and ahead of The Force Awakens. It improves his film value to a 10 and his score to a 75.25. He is ranked 98th, just inside the top 100, one spot behind David Bradley and one spot ahead of William H. O'Brien. Next up is Frank Oz, who returned to play Puppet Yoda in a brief, brief scene with Luke. This is his 19th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 68.42. It is his fifth film rated in the 80s, and fifth best film overall, right behind The Blues Brothers, and right ahead of The Force Awakens. Um, He is... uh, is, He has raised his film value to an 11.5, and his score to a 73.4. He is now ranked 122nd, just behind a trio of people tied at 119, Mark Williams, who played Dad Weasley, Martin Freeman, and Patty Considine, and just ahead of Michelle Williams. Uh, 
Next is Anthony Daniels, C-3PO. This is his 12th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 72.25. It is his second film rated in the 80s and fifth best film overall. Coming in behind Return of the Jedi and ahead of The Force Awakens. We're gonna see, gonna hear those things a lot going forward. It improves his film value to a 10.5 and his score to a 72.43. He's ranked 139th overall, just behind Paul Giamatti, and just ahead of the twins James and Oliver Phelps, who are uh, Fred and George Weasley. Next is Laura Dern. This is her 23rd film credit and improves her average film rating to a 65.74. It is her third film rated in the 80s and third best film overall, just behind The Master and just ahead of October Sky. The Last Jedi improves her value to an 11, her score to a 71.98, and she's ranked 150th, just behind Bonnie Wright and Joan Allen, who are tied above her, and just ahead of Mark Ruffalo. Next is Benicio Del Toro. Uh, this is his 22nd film credit, improving his average film rating to a 64.45. It is his fourth film rated in the 80s and fourth best film overall, coming in just behind Sicario and just ahead of Guardians of the Galaxy. The Last Jedi improves his film value to an 8.5 and his score to a 69.58. He is now ranked 196th, just behind Quentin Tarantino as an actor, mind you, and just ahead of Yasin Bey, uh, who has another name that I'm totally blanking on right now. Most Def, Most Def, Yasin Bey, Most Def. Next up is Lupita Nyong'o. This is her seventh film credit and improves her average film rating to a 76.29. It is her third film rating in the 80s and second best film overall, just behind her Oscar-winning turn in 12 Years a Slave and ahead of her other voice role, The Jungle Book. The Last Jedi improves her film value to a 7.5 and her score to a 68.33. She is ranked 226th, right behind Kelly MacDonald and right ahead of Haley Atwell. Next is Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker himself. This is his 12th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 67.75. It is his fourth film rated in the 80s and fourth best film overall. He it comes in just behind Return of the Jedi and ahead of The Force Awakens. It improves his film value to an 8, his score to a 66.07, and he is ranked 298th, just behind John Rhys Davies, uh, Gimli from Lord of the Rings, and Lily Taylor. Next is Kiran Shah. This is his sixth film credit, improving his average film rating to a 75.67. It is his third film rating in the 80s and third best film overall, just behind Return of the Jedi and ahead of The Force Awakens. What are the odds? Uh, improves his film value to a 6.5 and his score to a 63.25. He is ranked 420th, tied with Michael Palin, Mary Kay Bergman, uh, just behind Bob Balaban and just ahead of John Mahoney. Next is Ralph Ineson, uh, who you might know as the father from The Witch. This is his 12th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 64.5. It is his fifth film rating in the 80s and best movie overall, just ahead of Guardians of the Galaxy. It improves his film value to a 6, his score to a 61.29, and his rank to 508. 
just behind Ruth McCabe and just ahead of Daniel Stern. Next is Oscar Isaac Poe Dameron. This is his 19th film credit and improves his average film rating to a 58.53. It is his second film rating in the 80s and fourth best film overall, coming in behind Ex Machina and ahead of The Force Awakens. It improves his film value to a 3.5 and his score to a 56.45. He's now ranked 839th, just behind Julia Roberts and just ahead of Ben Mendelsohn from Rogue One. Next is John Boyega. This is his sixth film credit and improves his average film rating to a 67.17. It is his second film rating in the 80s and second best film overall, coming in behind Attack the Block and ahead of The Force Awakens. It improves his value to a 4 and his score to a 54.38. He is now ranked 1,002nd behind Stephen Delane and ahead of Jack Pennick. Next is Gwendolyn Christie. This is her fifth film credit and improves her average film rating to a 66.00. It is her second film rate in the 80s and best film overall, coming in ahead of The Force Awakens. Uh, It improves her film value to a 3 and her score to a 50.14. She is now ranked 1,406th. That's just behind Katie Azelton, who plays Jenny on The League and just ahead of Dane DeHaan. I think her name's Jenny. Not not 100% sure on that. Next is Justin Thoreau, who you may have noticed looking very much like uh, Jean Desjardins in the casino scene on, uh, I forget the name of that planet, Uh, Crate, I think, maybe. Uh, And uh, this is his 14th film credit, and improves his average film rating to a 56.07. It is his fifth film rating in the 80s. And best film overall, coming in ahead of Mulholland Drive. It improves his film value to a 1 and his score to a 50.06. He is now ranked 1,415th, uh, just behind Brendan Sexton and ahead of Rose Byrne. Next is Ray herself, Daisy Ridley. This is her fifth film credit and improves her average film rating to a 65 even. It is her second film rating in the 80s and best film overall, coming in ahead of The Force Awakens. It improves her value to a 2 and her score to a 48.43. She is now ranked 1,593rd, right behind Common and right ahead of Rami Malek. Rami Malek, Rami Malek. Next is the late, great Carrie Fisher. This is her 18th film credit and improves her average film rating to a 54 even. It is her third film rate in the 80s and fifth best film overall. Um, it comes in behind the Blues Brothers and ahead of The Force Awakens. Her film value is now a negative 0.5 and her score is 48.1. She's ranked 1,631st. That uh, puts her right behind Franco Nero and right ahead of Michael B. Jordan. Carrie Fisher. Next is Kate Dickey. Uh, She is the uh, Queen of the Vale, the Lady of the Vale in Game of Thrones uh, and has a brief role in this movie. It is her fourth film credit and improves her average film rating to a 61.5. It's her only film rating in the 80s, and best film overall, coming in ahead of Filth. 
It improves her film value to a 1 and her score to a 42 even. She's ranked 2,327th, which is tied with a bunch of other people, including Molly Ringwald, Alex Winter, um, Art LaFleur, and I don't recognize any other names offhand. Uh, that puts her just behind Riz Ahmed and just ahead of Zach Galifianakis. Next is Tom Kane, uh, who does the voice of Chewbacca. Somebody. I think it's Chewbacca. Not 100% sure. I know he does the voice of... Chewbacca doesn't sound right, though. Because that's Peter May. I don't know. Maybe. Because uh, he does the voice in this movie, in The Force Awakens, Rogue One, and Clone Wars. So, big voice guy. Tom Kane. This is his eighth film credit and improves his average film rating to a 50.50. Is his second film ran in the 80s and best movie overall, improving his film value to a negative 2 and his score to a 38.4. He's ranked 2,733rd, tied with Alana Ubach, behind Kevin Zegers, and ahead of Chris Klein. Next is Hermione Corfield. Uh, I don't know her either, but she's been in five films that I've seen now and <laughs> improves her average film rating to a 51.2. Is our only film rating right in the 80s and best film overall, coming in ahead of Mission colon, Impossible Rogue Nation. Improves her film value to a negative 1.5 and her score to a 35.07. She was ranked 3,045th behind Alicia Vikander and ahead of Lynn Redgrave. Next is Lily Cole. That is the girl standing next to uh, Justin Thoreau at the casino. She has now been in five films I've seen and has an average film rating of 49.6. It is her only film rating in the 80s and best film overall, just ahead of The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. It improves her film value to a negative 2 and her score to a 33.43. She's now ranked 3,198th overall, tied with Ramon Rodriguez, just behind Julia Sweeney and ahead of Casey Wilson. Next is Mark Lewis Jones. This is his fifth film credit and improves his average film rating to a 43.8. It is his first and only film in the 80s and best film overall, coming in just ahead of Trespass Against Us. Uh, it improves his film value to a negative 3.5 and his score to a 27.79. He is ranked 3,585th overall, just behind Kristen Johnson and ahead of Sesu Hayakawa. And those are all the actors that I have given credit for for this movie. Uh, a couple of them I don't recognize by name, but I, I wouldn't hold that against them. Uh, you may have not no may have noticed that the ah shoot I forget her name Kelly Marie Tran I think the actor that plays Rose in the movie is not listed. That was the only film I've seen her in, and at the moment uh, it's unclear as to. Uh, according to what I've looked up, it was unclear as to whether or not she was going to be in a substantially large number of films or even anything more prominent, anything at all prominent besides Star Wars. So for the moment, holding off on adding her to the list. Moving on to genre, as I mentioned, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi is rated an 88 and it came out in the year of 2017. 
it is satisfies the film genres of action, improving that to a 54.4, adventure, improving that to a 53.73, fantasy, improving that to a 54.79, and sci-fi, improving that to a 54.15. It does pass the Bechdel test with a perfect three and is rated PG-13. It does not enter my top 300, nor does it enter the IMDb top 250. Uh, it is currently not nominated for any Oscars, but it is on a couple of short lists, uh, I assume. At least the visual effects short list, perhaps others. Uh, I think the score is quite good. Uh, and I think that... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it can contend in like costumes or makeup or anything like that, but... Uh, visual effects, I feel like it might definitely get a nomination there. We'll see. As far as the year goes, uh, it is the... Um, let me double check this real quick. Make sure it's up to snuff. Because Okay, it is the 200... I've now seen 285 t films from 2017. And I've now seen 1,249 films this year. Uh... It improves the average film rating of 2017 films to 49.27, and it improves their tomato meter to 65.57. Uh, it is the 52nd action film, 40th adventure film, 39th fantasy film, which is a yearly record, and 40th sci-fi film, which is also a yearly record. No other year has more fantasy or sci-fi films that I've seen from it. It is part of the 38.6% of films released this year that have a 3 on the Bechdel test. And it is the 64th film that releases, bleh, 64th film released this year with a PG-13 MPAA rating. Whew. And uh, lastly, uh, we come to the Circle of Film Awards, which this does impact ever so slightly. It has taken a slot in the tactile effects category. Uh, now, the special effects category might sound more at home, but that is not just visual effects. It also includes animation, film editing, and cinematography, which it is close to, but just on the outside looking in. Tactile effects uh, is far more about the sound, the costume design, the makeup and hairstyling, and production design, which I think Star Wars has quite really good, st good stuff in uh, most of those categories, if not all of them. And so that's why it gets a slot in the tactile effects category. Um, now, I will say that I do intend to watch this movie again. And when I do, I'm going to reevaluate not only the special effects category, but the score and uh, anything else that I, I noticed in, in another pass through this movie. It is very close in both score and special effects to taking a nomination slot. And uh, we'll see if it can sneak in there. But for the moment, it only has a nomination in tactile effects. Uh, so there is that. It knocks out John Wick, Chapter 2, which uh, removes John Wick from the 2017 Circle of Film Award nominations entirely. So, uh, unfortunate there. And finally, bef before we go, The Last Jedi ends up with an 88 and that rank and currently is ranked 10th out of, my of all the films I've seen this year. I think it is unlikely it remains in my top 10, as I have yet to see Call Me By Your Name, The Shape of Water, The Post, I, Tanya, uh, you know, a couple, a lot, of, a handful of foreign films, uh, The Darkest Hour, 
there's there's a good good number of films left to see, and I think it's unlikely Last Jedi can hold on to that 10 slot that long. However, it currently is tied with Coco uh, for rank, rated 88 this this year. Coco is a better tomato score, winning the tiebreaker. And uh, that puts it just behind Blade Runner 2049 and just ahead of three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, so that is where that's at. Before we head out here, let us first jump into a Fantasy Movie League update for week four. We sink into our seats, right as they dimmed out all the lights. A technicolor world made out of music and machine. I mean, how hard can that be? Week four of the Fantasy Movie League has just come to an end, and after missing week three's update, I'm back here to give you an update uh, on, on how the Cinerealist League is shaping up now. Uh, things have taken a bit of a turn. If you did not play Jumanji, or at least a bunch of screens of The Darkest Hour, as Darkest Hour walked away with BP quite handily, uh, <laughs> getting almost a 300 value, uh, 300k value this week, uh, and uh, it wasn't even close, but Jumanji really overperformed, uh, almost 200k value, and just blew everything else out of the water, uh, Star Wars fell below $100 million this weekend, which was a big blow if you ended up playing The Last Jedi, so all that being said, uh, while we do have a bit of a shakeup, we have a new person on top of the league this week, and uh, ultimately the, the, the problem is that the top seven remain unchanged, and they are the seven that I think we kind of come to expect at this point, which on the one hand uh, is great because <clears throat> it shows that there is lasting skill and, and enduring quality to playing this game and and if you are good at it you can consistently do well on the other hand uh it's potentially quite demoralizing for the those of you that aren't one of those seven and uh it, it hopefully but hopefully hopefully it will drive you towards uh improvement and uh give you that desire to compete that I know I have, uh, as I'm the number seven in those seven. So, real quick, uh, we have perfect cineplexes this week for Shawban, Rybone, Rahman, and Keel Music. Shawban and Rybone, this is their second perfect cineplex of the season, and second in a row as they look to tie the record for most perfect cineplexes in a row in week five. Uh, Rahman and Keel Music nabbed their first of the season, and now... Uh, the only people with a PC right now are those in the top seven. Uh, again, so there's that. Uh, yeah. Director's Cut, uh, who fell from first down to fifth this week as he missed the perfect Cineplex, still leads in Best Performers with 17, Shawbin Hot on the Heels at 15, and Perksplex bringing up the th third with 13. And... So, our new top seven are currently Shawbin, number one, with 94.64% of a perfect season right now. Very, very well done. Rybone, who won the week, based on the lock time right now, uh, is in second. 
with four uh, with 92.67 percent also very very great uh, Rahman in third with 90.30 percent and Kill Music in fourth with 88.58 percent uh, then uh, the f- next three are the ones who didn't get a perfect cineplex this week. That's Director's Cut, sitting at 88.49%. Very close margin between Kill Music and Director's Cut right now. Perks Plex in sixth with 84.41%, and Plexi with seventh at 84.33%. So a very small margin of difference between Perks Plex and Plexi as well. And... Uh, Nobody else has 80% or more of what a perfect season would be at this point, but we do have quite a few people sitting in the 70% range. Uh, the box officer, Christine H. Jensen, Film Obsessed 35, Derek, uh, Sven Cinemas, and The Flex, all with that at least a 70% uh, of a perfect season. Again, it's only week four. We've got nine whole weeks left, and uh, a lot can change, you know. It's it's that easy, you know. If you hit that Jumanji, that's you I mean you're moving up, you know. If if you get a perfect Cineplex or two, you're back in this thing, no matter what position you're at right now. So keep hope alive. Uh, as far as that's concerned, uh, no one yet has won two weeks. Uh, Rybone wins his first week since week 11 of the summer 2017 season. Shaubin now in the lead in the league hasn't been in the lead since. Week 5 of the Summer 17 season. Uh, Rahman and Kill Music both got a perfect Cineplex. Kill Music's last perfect Cineplex was week 13 of the Fall 2017 season, whereas Rahman's was week 9 of the Fall 17 season. So he missed a couple of big ones the end of Fall uh, that he wasn't a part of. But back on track now, hoping to string together a few in a row and threaten Shaubin for number one right now. The gap between first and uh, we'll use seventh as the bottom of this list. Uh, Shaubin has $465 million at the moment. Plexi in seventh is at 414 So that's about a $50 million gap, uh, which is not, not small, but definitely something that can be overcome going forward. As far as career stats are lo- we're looking at, uh, this is the seventh week that Rybone has won, which is the per- he has won the third most weeks out of anyone playing in our league. This is the 19th week that Shaubin has been in the lead. He uh, is the leader in this statistic and is one week away from reaching the uh, coveted 20th week in the lead. I don't know if that's really a coveted thing. I don't know if he's thought about it, but... It is. Uh, it would be the first person to do it. Uh, as far as perfect cineplexes go, Rybone moves his st- that number up to 17. Uh, he is well in the lead there. Kilmuse and Plexi are now tied at 14, with Shawbin bringing up fourth with 11. Nobody else has 10 or more. As far as best performers, uh, Plexi holds on to the lead there with 159. Music number two with 151. Rybone at 146 and Shawbin at 139. However, Perksplex has breached the 100 mark with 106 best performers. So very good for him to kind of enter that conversation. And then uh, a couple other stats here that are kind of irrelevant as far as performance goes. They more they care more about longevity than anything else. 
but I've taken the liberty of tracking the total sum value of everyone's Cineplexes uh, since the Fall 16 season began. Leading that stat right now is Keel Music. Uh, with two season wins under his belt, that is uh, pretty much understandable. With $6.7 billion earned uh, in the last six seasons total. Plexi number two with $6.6 billion. Schaubin, uh, about $6.57 billion. And Rybone at $6.3 billion, edging out Perksplex with $6.2 uh, so, nobody else has reached $6 billion yet. Um, obviously, if you've played all six seasons, you're much better off in this stat than anybody else. But, uh, you know, Rybone was, uh, didn't even play the entirety of the Fall 16 season. So, uh, you know, it is doable to gain ground and uh, really push things back. Uh, the other stat here is average money made per season. Uh, which generally lines up pretty similarly with uh, total sum, uh, especially during the middle of a season. As you look at, like, the awards 18 season number is counted in this number. So somebody like Director's Cut, who did very, very well in the Fall 17 season, is seeing their average drawn, uh, pulled down by the awards 18 season total right now. Uh, but this, just to give you an idea, the top five here, Keel Music with 1.1, billion dollars, uh, Plexi with a slightly lower 1.1, uh, Shawbin with an even lower 1.1 billion, uh, Rybone with about 1.05, and Perksplex with 1.03 billion dollars. That is where they stand. So, uh, if I failed to mention it, uh, the perfect Cineplex this week was three Jumanji, one Greatest Showman, and four Darkest Hour. Now, Letterboxd, does still list most of these numbers as an estimate, as not all numbers have been reported. So, uh, when that number is perfectly finalized, I will recheck the numbers to make sure I have everything correct, uh, in case something has changed or been adjusted uh, since last evening, and uh, hopefully get the things all straightened out. Looking ahead to week five, we are coming off a four-day weekend, we have a shortened week, and we are entering yet another four-day weekend. Uh, it is not uncommon for movies to improve upon their box office scores from last from Christmas weekend, given that Christmas Eve is generally pretty low for most movies. So we'll see how the dailies uh, air that out. Jumanji got priced very, very high after how well it did last week, and uh, we have... New entries, I think, yeah, like Lady Bird Returns, Molly's Game is in back, Best of the Rest is here again, uh, if that is an option. So, lots to consider down at the bottom, and uh, your, bi your big anchor race is going to be between The Last Jedi and Jumanji, but uh, Pitch Perfect 3 and The Greatest Showman are also showing um, decent value at the top, if those are the routes you want to take. I will say that my current best performer that I like is toward the bottom of this this, this week's slate. That's what I'm looking at. Uh, so that is week four of the Fantasy Movie League for the Cinderellist pod, um, League podcast. And uh, we're looking forward to week five. It should be pretty exciting and hopefully give us a 
shake things up yet again, I say, as I'm not in the lead. So we have not yet ended a week with the same exact people in the lead as the previous week. So week one was the flex in the lead. Week two was a tie between director's cut and plexi. Week three was director's cut by themselves. And week four is now Shaubin. Uh, if this trend were to continue, Shaubin would not be in the lead at the end of week five, but uh, trends are made to be broken. So good luck to everybody. Keep your head up and find the best performer. Get that perfect cineplex. And I will see you back here next week for another Fantasy Movie League update. Cool. So that is today's episode. I want to thank you all so much for listening. And uh, if you haven't noticed from the review episode that came out yesterday that, or I guess the review episode came out Monday. Yeah. Uh, And this episode is coming out Wednesday. So if you haven't noticed by now, uh, you might have heard, at least in the review episode, it shouldn't register at all in the spreadsheet deep dive, but uh, the sound quality might be a little shaky in in most of the episodes released this week. That is due to the fact that I forgot to bring my typical recording microphone with me on vacation and have been recording most of these episodes on my phone. I tried to do it with my computer's built-in mic, and that was not going to work at all. So this was the best option I had. Uh, I want to thank you for bearing with me through this. If it really is that unbearable, I will try to listen back to it and, and touch it up. You know, I still have to put it through Audacity and make sure it sounds as nice as possible. So there's a good chance that it sounds just perfectly fine. And... uh I have recorded and and put up episodes that I've uh, on my phone before. So this isn't the first time this has happened and hopefully, but hopefully it will be the last as need be. So, uh, like I said, thank you for listening. Uh, I, I, um, if you want to check out the website, uh, circleoffilm.com, you can find all the other information about the circle of film awards there. I am still putting in work to try and flesh out as many years back as possible. Each year, I, each time I go back another year, it gets that much more difficult to evaluate the films and performances and writing and effects and all that stuff. But I'm doing what I can. Uh, you can see every all the years going back to 2015, as well as this current year's nominations at this stage. Uh, you can also check out see information about the spreadsheet, about me, and plenty of other things, all the previous episodes. You can contact me by email, uh, circleoffilm at gmail.com, or on Twitter, at circleoffilm. I will respond to you in either medium, and uh, please feel free to contact me about anything you want. Comments, concerns, questions, or answers, and even especially if you just happen to have a top 250 or 300 movies list lying around somewhere, I would love to take a look at it and see it. And finally, if you would like to support the show in any way, shape, or form, uh, generally this means money, but uh, I guess you could do it in other ways, but generally I think money is the only way you can support the show on patreon.com slash circle of film. But it is your listenership that is the most important thing to me and your enjoyment of the show, because that is the goal, that you like what you like listening. So... Patreon.com is an option for any of you so courteous and giving enough to offer money. And uh, if 
you take a look at Patreon and the system and price level of that is just not something that you're uh, capable of doing, let me know. Maybe we can work something else out if you still want to help and support the show. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, have a week. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same as you. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, I'll be the same. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.